0: Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, otherwise known as Word Vomit. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning novel Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the hotel series and Pretty Ugly. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, authoress, of the Bourbon Books, including the award-winning novel Dibs since September and Move On Melinda. With us today is Lori Radar Day, and she is here to talk about her latest book, Death at Greenway. Welcome, Lori, to Vox Vomitus. Yay, thank you so much for having <laughs> me. Thank you for being here. Um, Lori, tell our listeners. A little bit about yourself and a little bit about Death at Greenway with no spoilers. For no spoilers, of no course, spoilers. of course. Um, so about me, um, I've been a writer most of my life. I sort of remember the first moment that I realized that I could put words together and, and start to make a story. I was six or seven years old and I had a favorite uh, set of books, the Ramona Cleary books. If anybody is <gasps> yes. familiar Yes. I feel like I might have read that in your bio. Mm-hmm. It's it's like one of those formative things, right? Like I loved, I was a big reader, went to the library all the time with my mom and my sister, loved these books. And one day I noticed that there was a name on the front cover that was not Ramona Quimby. It was Beverly Cleary. And I didn't understand why <laughs> I why. Don't remember her from the book. <laughs> who is this it's Ramona terrifying? tells her own stories and she won't have it any other way. <laughs> like, What is happening here? And I'm six or seven. I'm Ramona's <laughs> age, right? Like I'm a brat like she is. I'm like, who is this Beverly Cleary person? And I worked it out like, oh, she's the woman who makes these stories possible so that I can read them. That's really cool. I wonder... I wonder if I could write a story. Yeah, like is that a job? Is that well, something I mean you can is <laughs> it <in laughs> grow up? <laughs> I mean not even a job really like like is that a thing? Is that is this is a thing that people create these stories. Well, I'm really interested in stories, so maybe I should give it a try. And I remember trying to put some words together and starting a Ramona Quimby story, of course. Uh, Fan that fiction. Was my favorite. It, early, fanfic, early I mean, fan fiction we didn't call fiction. it then this is was plagiarism <laughs> we called it theft <laughs> so yeah. uh yeah so my first creative act was uh crime and i think that is a, is a good uh you know starter for the the life of crime i have led ever since uh, i feel like you're in good company here one of the first things i remember writing was a nightmare on elm street fan fiction i guess yeah. I've turned it in for like an assignment for school. Yeah, your teacher rejected nice. it too. He did reject <laughs> it. He didn't even grade it. He just wrote no Aww. on it. No and gave it back and I'm like, "Huh? Well, what was the assignment? That's not fair." It was just Probably like, oh, didn't involve like that. Just like it was just like, you know, I was like 10 or something. It was just like write a story, write anything you want oh, and was I was okay. like, "Okay. I want to write I don't know why I wanted to write that, but I did." I don't think that's fair. I think you should have been able to to write that story as long as it was an original mm-hmm story with those characters i, I mean think it seemed it, it seemed maybe original enough for someone who had I mean, never seen the movies other than sure. like okay, come on <laughs> <laughs> right you hadn't seen the movies you weren't old enough to see the movies so. well, yeah but well, i it's kept like seeing like the previews for it and i'm like ooh, that looks yeah. terrifying well and it's, it's like, like, like all the kids right now running around dressed like squid game they're like squid game like please tell me you have not seen squid game but they all think <laughs> it's really cool but they have no idea what it really is but they're like yeah i'm in squid game <laughs> <They're a squid. laughs> that's hilarious i'm dressed like a squid so i'm in Squid Game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same thing, totally i obviously have not seen squid game um i only I made know, it for a little bit about it yeah. uh, <laughs> so i think you were unfairly uh i this is we could talk about this the whole time unfairly categorized as not original because you're writing genre fiction mm. yes yeah. yeah you have mm. no idea Oh wow. <laughs> No, I do. <laughs> um, so, so I wrote my whole life. Uh, I, I'm from Central Indiana. I, you know, wrote in high school. I suddenly started finishing things. I wrote in college, but I didn't get serious about it until um, a friend of mine from high school, who I had beaten in a writing competition, published his first book. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I mean, the, the core oh, of that, my I being is now theft. And, and like, Envy. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on our seven deadlies right there, Lauren. I like I, it. I think That's so. Right. I think uh checking them off. Um but it, I'd like to think that Envy actually fueled me because I had not been writing. I had, mm-hmm. you know, graduated college and started a job and, and I had a writing job. Uh I was doing some really excellent healthcare articles. But um <laughs> someone's got to. <laughs> I mean, somebody does. And I have and it's not a bad job, but it, I also had not written anything for myself in about 5 years when his book was coming out and I was so excited. And now you say this was a friend of yours or was it like a frenemy of yours? I was say friend. <laughs> no, he he was and is a friend of mine. Uh he's like a But in that moment you know. that he fu- he was published, he was not your friend. That split in the, second. In the moment he <laughs> in, in was your published. brain. He I became actually, my enemy. <laughs> it, was, it was actually a very interesting moment in like adulthood because I was so envious, but I was also so happy simultaneously for him. I went down to the nearest Barnes & Noble, the only bookstore I could get to in my lunch hour, writing healthcare articles, and bought every copy on the shelf. And just sort (gasps) of passing them out to anyone who was interested. Okay, for any uh, Loera High School class of 96ers who want to just go buy a bunch of my books and hell no, I am okay (laughs) with that. Oh, I wish I had friends in high school. (laughs) oh man too late no I really should have made some different life choices I'm just saying class of (laughs) anybody 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 (laughs) I will say I was so excited once because a boy that my mom used to babysit bought my book and like sent me a message on Facebook and he was like I just bought your book and I'm like oh my gosh cool are we related (laughs) I know I was like that's who it was right yeah uh, so it was, I mean, I was, I was very envious. I was, but I was also very happy. But I, it, it, in the envy, it's like, it's not useful unless you make something of it. And I thought, That's well, smart. the thing that I realized in that moment was these, this kid who's just like me, he's only a year older than I am from the same sort of sticks that I'm from in central Indiana, nowhere, you know, in this little tiny town. He did it. He told stories and he was getting published. I hadn't realized that that was a job. Remember? (laughs) I mean, it wasn't a job. It wasn't a thing. And then it wasn't a job. And then it suddenly it's a job. I'm like, wait a minute. I either need to do this or stop talking about it. Right? I need to put up or shut up. So um, I got serious in 2006. Uh, went back to school because that was a way to sort of get some some deadlines in an audience and got an mfa wrote a lot of short stories started getting published one of those short stories got long um <laughs> it just didn't end <laughs> it, it really i mean it ended but it was like 50 pages or something like that and my workshop was like we want more of everything and i'm like i don't how and my teacher was like it's called a novel Lori so keep writing um so I did but there was also a crime in the first chapter and so somebody else I got the chance to go to a fellowship thing in Indiana and work with a writer and I put me in the mystery group and I was I was so disheartened I I where did I you think you would be Lori what group would you have fiction been? you know just fiction. just like general um, yeah general. but they had a okay. fiction group they had a nonfiction group and then they had a mystery group those are the like only three choices. Only three categories. I mean, so it was just—it was like a nine-person fellowship okay, program, okay. like just an overnight. It was a really cool program that they don't do one anymore, unfortunately. But um, I think they just because of what they had, uh, what had been submitted. You know, they they chose the best ones, and then they were sort of dividing them in some way. And I guess they thought that the mystery was a, a clear division, and they put me in it. And I thought, I that's not, that's not right. That's not. I Wait, the fiction group's walking away, and and I am. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, what? What? No. <laughs> but um, I I got the the best help from the teacher of that group, Terrence Faraday, who's an Indiana crime writer, and and he's like, kid, I, you know, you've got a crime in your first chapter. Are you going <laughs> <laughs> to <gonna> solve it? Are you going to solve it? You're like, do I have? Is that up to me? Do I have to solve it? It was a true story last week, and now it's a novel, and now it's a crime novel. So uh, I'm not really sure, actually. But um, yeah, I I think maybe sure. Yeah, I like yeah, I like solutions. I like sure, yes, of course. I will, (laughs) I will solve. I will solve that. And he's like, yeah, that's a fun mystery. So uh, I got some really great help that like helped shortcut some of the mistakes maybe that I would have made. I would I, I mean, as you can tell from all the stories I've told you so far, I just sort of wander around and uh people <laughs> direct me in the right way. Uh but so that's how I got sort of serious about it and into the mystery community. And it has been a pretty quick ride since then. My first novel, not the one I was writing at that time, um, was published in twenty fourteen. It's called The Black Hour. Um and it won the best first miss uh, anthony award that year oh congrats oh, no. that's that's, a, a, that's like a good first award thank We're you like, oh, it was also nominated book. for the it was nominated for the mary higgins clark award but i didn't win that year i won that one the next year with my second book and so oh. the sixth book is death at greenway for, at last we have arrived ladies <laughs> at Death at greenway um the origin for Death at Greenway is that I was reading a nonfiction book about Agatha Christie, who I, I love. Back, if going back to those libraries when I was, you know, 10, 11 yes. years old, my first adult books, uh, like I read everything in the children's section, and the librarian was like, Get out of my face, kid. Get, go upstairs. Go yes. upstairs. Um, and I was afraid of upstairs because there was a big desk and I started like wearing it. And my mom was up there and she's not going to make, she's going to make me go back down. And yeah. where, where are the books? If I can't, there's no, there was no YA. There was no YA. I remember being in first grade <laughs> and like reading all of the Nancy Drew books, like psychotically read them all. And then I was like, well, what next? Mm-hmm. I and was out That's what that, that was like the oh. YA that I had that in the children's section, Lois Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i went from like nancy drew to then i went through like agatha christie this was in my school library but then once i was like allowed, my parents like were like i guess she's really into reading we should like bring her to the town <laughs> library but then they realized i stopped returning books i would just take oh. them because i like they're like because so i'm like a klepto um because <laughs> you love them and then so they were much. like nope she she can't go to the library anymore she won't return the books but they always said we'll buy you any book you want because if you're reading That's amazing So I like really took advantage of that, and I went into like the Lois Duncan, Christopher Pike, the the one little shelf of YA that they had. (laughs) Yeah. So so for younger younger listeners, they may not understand this whole concept of there was no YA when we were when we were growing up, it was like, hey, so you finish Nancy Drew, and then you've got to go read something where who knows what's going on. And your mom may or may not want you to read it. And my mom definitely didn't. So <laughs> uh, I know, I think ours had this tiny little shelf of YA. And I, I remember reading a couple books that were there. But that really wasn't, it wasn't a thing until some of the later authors started doing, hey, there are readers be- who are yeah. between the ages of 12 and 16, and they might want to read something yeah. that's kind of into them.
1: Like I remember a, the yeah, chef having thing,
0: right? Ramona, Quimby, age 8 uh, mm-hmm. Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret mm-hmm. Trumpet of the Swans Lois Duncan, Christopher Black like, and they were all like kind of Wait, grouped together in, Were those in YA? Because that's not YA They're not YA but we, we, okay, mine, was YA Robert, Ro- mine was Robert Cormier uh, I Am the Cheese There were a couple Robert Cormier books okay, yeah. so, and I know the second one I read, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was but it involved like a kid who could in turn invisible and then he witnessed boy and girl twins doing stuff so i'm sure this was not for like little little kids but it was in the (laughs) the ya section i'll remember what it is later i mean we literally had no ya section it was the bottom floor was like picture books in the middle i don't know what the other side was maybe middle Mm -hmm. and middle grade to lois duncan is all in one place like el conigsberg was my favorite um from the mixed up files um and lois duncan Right there next to each other. And then, you know, I kept bothering the librarian and she's like, go upstairs. We're so I was, but I was nervous because I thought she sent me up and my mom's going to send me down. Yeah. You'll There's just be no stuck on the and, stairs. <clears throat> I'll just be on the stairs. I can't go to the library anymore. So I tur- <laughs> ducked into the first doorway before the big scary desk and it was the mystery room. I literally <gasps> wow. found Agatha Christie by ducking because into you were like, I'm scared scared (laughs) to (laughs) death. Yeah, and and, you—they have bright, you know, easy to like look at covers, and so I just like started picking things off the shelves, and I loved her. Mary Higgins Clark was an early favorite. I was way too young for her. I didn't know what was going on. But I loved, and I know I was in seventh grade reading Mary Higgins Clark on the bus, like telling all my friends, "You guys, you have to read these (laughs) books." Um, and they're like, uh, no, our parents won't allow it. Our us. parents <laughs> won't allow it. <laughs> our parents watch what we're doing. Okay, there was there parents? was no shelf. There was no room. There was no, I, no. Christopher Pike was coming along. My sister was reading him, but I I don't. I think I was just a little too old. I'm old. Um, but I, I'm so old. I love Agatha <laughs> Christie forever. Um, today is the anniversary of her death, by the way, 1976. <gasps> This is um, so perfect that we are doing the show today. Well, and, and it's day. National Hot Tea Day,
1: <laughs> it's which what? I've already
0: celebrated. National Hot Tea Day, which I've already celebrated many times over. I mean, I, I should was have told drink, you guys. I, I guess I'll have to have some later. Right now, I'm just drinking basic white girl drink. I'm just drinking like just water. Water. Yeah, I already <laughs> had morning. many many teas. Maybe that's why I'm like, yeah, let's talk about everything. <laughs> well i I was gonna ask though where the whole agatha christie thing came from but it's one of those things where it's never gone out of style to appreciate her but it was just funny because i was closing up my tabs before we came on here and one of my reader services is like oh yeah new agatha christie collection being released i'm like She's been dead a while now. How is she releasing books? And I know it's a collection, but still, the interest <laughs> has, not, dead, has not subsided. The family is definitely packaging up everything that they have the rights to, and <laughs> and uh, putting short story collections together, which is really cool. They had a winter collection. I think they have like a like a romance. Some of them that have like romance uh, twinge to them, tinge to them, which is really cool. They yeah, make it twinge. <laughs> I'm not I sure I want to read Agatha Christie writing romance, but that. Is, it well, not be, romance, I mean, but like I have a crush Mysteries on that have Does couples that in them, that kind of thing. <laughs> <Mustache>. It's the <laughs> mustache. <laughs> yeah. Mysteries yeah. that have couples at the heart of the story is maybe oh, okay. a better way oh, to oh, yeah. say that, not romances. Um, so I, I'm a OG fan of Agatha Christie. So I'm reading this nonfiction book about her called the secret notebooks of Agatha Christie. It's, it's about how she wrote. Um, it is for super fans, I think. I'm not sure casual fans will find it as fascinating as <laughs> I did, but it's, it's about, um, so she's a notebook girl, uh, sh- but she didn't use one notebook per project. She had notebooks all over her houses. And so she would just reach for, oh, I need to work something out. So I'm just going to reach for the nearest notebook and then, and jot some things down and work some things out. And then, okay. And then puts it down and then goes back to the typewriter when she's ready, right? She, it's mostly from here to the typewriter that she's working, but um, here, Noggin, if people, you can't see me. Um, so she <laughs> she used all these notebooks, but then there's no system to the notebooks, right? So the family had a researcher uh, offer to come in. John Curran came in and, and cataloged these notebooks and and figured out how she used them, how her books developed over time. again, super fans only, probably it was fascinating. Cause you um, need one of those, like, um, it's like the Zodiacs, like code breaking people have to come <laughs> in and like figure so. out how, how the notebooks fit together. And the, the, like I, the the code, code is definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think he developed in a way, a little bit of a code trying to figure out which book that she's talking about in yeah. some places. And, and then and then three notebooks away and yeah, the numbers aren't necessarily in order, that kind of thing. Um, so she, uh, that's how she worked. And so, but in the introduction of this book before I even got to the part where I'm fascinated by how she worked, uh, he's talking about um, sort of all the uh, inspirations for her work that, you know, she wrote about this place and she wrote about this place and, and all this has sneaked into her work. And he mentioned, uh, in about a half sentence, maybe five or six words, that Greenway House, her beloved summer home, her holiday home, was used in World War II to house child evacuees. And I sat up in bed because I love, this is another childhood thing that I love, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, the movie, the Disney movie, which is, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it's one of the first partial animated, partial yeah. live action movies that disney and maybe anyone mm-hmm. did and it's it's just a childhood favor i know it backwards forwards, songs <laughs> lyrics everything right Um <laughs> uh, and and so i immediately was like ah bed knobs and broomsticks and i got the Christie's house I, I i have to read that story i have to read it right except it didn't exist doesn't exist so you had to write your dream book I I did yeah and that was the that was the gist of the you know I okay I well somebody has to write it and I kind of was expecting somebody to write it any minute like somebody is going to get to this world war ii story any minute um I kind of thought maybe somebody else would do it somebody British you know somebody with a history history degree or some interest in (laughs) research which I did not possess at the time um but I also didn't tell people about it I kept it secret because obviously in my heart of hearts, I thought maybe, maybe it could be me. So death at Greenway is my attempt to tell this story. Now I had to learn a lot. I had to do a lot of research trying to figure out how, how long story. did the research portion of this take? So long, so long. <laughs> um, so I got the idea in 2011. I was reading the book in 2011 and, uh, I think I was able to tell my editor at HarperCollins about it in twenty sixteen, maybe. Oh. I went for okay, I mean, that's a that's long like five time. years. Yeah. I, and that's just me like casually mentioning it to her. In in HarperCollins office, I was getting a tour. Um, there's a wall with Agatha Christie's face on it in her words, like designed out of her words, and I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. goals. Yeah, I want one of those. I want a wall with my face yes. made out of my words. <laughs> and They also had one for Beverly Cleary because she was published by Harper as well. So I was like fangirling all over the place, right? And I was telling her my my Beverly Cleary story, and then I and I got to Agatha, and I'm like, oh, I have an Agatha Christie story I might like to write someday. And so she's like, oh, tell me after lunch. So we went to lunch. Walking back to the office, so she's like, all right, tell me. And so I'm like, well, I don't really have to <laughs> um, do this, but you know, uh, bed down some broomsticks of that, you know, in World War II, three million children, 10, I didn't know 10 yet, but 10 children were sent to Agatha Christie's house. Um, and she's like, hmm, okay, but not next. And I'm like, oh God, not next. Are you kidding me? This is 2016. I'm working on, I think my, uh, fourth book at the time, re- writing, drafting my fourth book. Not next. No, that's crazy. Um, but in, a couple of contracts, I think, later, um, instead of asking what I wanted to write or asking, okay, here's a book I've written. This is m- number, the book for this contract. They usually were like, oh, and then number four or num- or Laurie Rader Day number six, right? <laughs> Numbers. But in five. this case, she was like, what was that? Uh, what was that? Agatha thing? What you was that? Red and Broomsticks idea. Yeah. Kids. Somewhere. Yeah except I had finished the book that we were offering. And so my Agatha Christie idea from 2011 had been simmering at this point for like six years. And I hadn't really started working on it all that much. And it became my front burner project in an afternoon. So um, oh, yeah, the research that, took, the research took, you mean, I don't even know when I started the research. It, it sort of, did it in layers. One of the first things I did was um, I visited Greenway in 2017. I have a friend who is English who lives in Bristol. So I went to visit her and I said, I need to go to Greenway. So she took me to Greenway. We did all the Agatha Christie tourist stops. It was great. And we just went around the house looking and noting and taking pictures. And just, I was really at this point, really just trying to, I hadn't sold it yet. I think I sold it in 2018 is or some two thousand yeah two thousand eighteen. So it was just me trying to see can the story be told? You know, what is the story? What how much can I yeah. how much can I learn? Um and there wasn't much in the house uh, there wasn't anything in the house really about the kids. So we asked a docent who was probably like, Oh thank God somebody asked me a question. <laughs> um, I don't just have to stand here She corner. was literally standing on a staircase. <laughs> I'm like, uh, and so she's like, oh yeah there's this little uh, like a binder with some printed pages, and and there was a picture of a little girl about six years old with pigtails, and it had her full name, and she was uh, one of the children who had stayed at Greenway, and she, as an adult, wrote to Greenway and said, "Here's what I remember about uh-huh. being at Greenway." Right. Was it Doreen? It was Doreen, yes. I know, I'm like, it was Doreen, wasn't it? <laughs> it's Doreen. <laughs> um, little six-year-old Doreen, and I fell in love. Um, but uh, the word, there was a letter to me. It was like, okay, there's something, because there was nothing. There was no book. There was no nonfiction book. There was this half sentence that I had discovered in the current book, right? Um, so they're like, oh, if you're if, if that, you know, is exciting to you, let's... <laughs> go upstairs. So they took us to this room that's behind Agatha Christie's bedroom that they keep locked. It's not open to the public. <sighs> and there's a cabinet inside. And when you open the doors, the shelves still have the names of five of the children who stayed at the <gasps> house during World War II. The, the girls. Like the five cubbies. girls. Like Doreen cubbies. is right on. Yes. The cubbies where they kept their, their extra clothes or their pajamas, that kind of thing. Their little, their little books with their pictures from home and that sort of thing. Yeah. So Doreen's name is right there on the shelf. And i that story had been very casual to me. Like, oh, maybe, maybe. When I saw the names on the cabinet, I was like, they're going to have to rip this out of my dead, cold hands. I need to tell this story. And I think it was also that I thought, well, the history isn't too ancient then it if, if the tape is still holding on these, <laughs> yeah. names. so it's gonna be easier. it's easier to write because and I have Doreen's station. name no. now. I have yes. a name that I can like look for and and research and start to dig um and so I started doing that and found Doreen in Canada um we are now pin pals by email We're oh. Friends. oh I love it I love it's, that. She's so delightful. has she I read the book? Yes, she read the book early on. Um, and then I have sent her, I sent her the Canadian edition immediately. And then I just sent her a hard copy, a hard cover of the American edition signed to her specifically. She and her son uh, got copies because I have the friends with both of them. Oh my gosh, so, that's an incredible story. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of the benefits that I did not expect. I mean, I wasn't sure that anybody would be around. You know, yeah. it's been yeah. a long time. All the uh, people who were adults at the time are long gone, uh, and and some of them are unknown. The the nurses um, who I know were there because Agatha Christie says in her book that there were two hospital nurses, um, but no names. Thank you, Agatha. Hospital <laughs> nurses. Yeah, two For hospital nurses. Like, winky, exactly. Winky.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so well, very well trained
0: nurses. Doreen had a theory that they were the daughters of the. um, chaperones that took the group, the to uh, hmm. the couple of... Arbuthnots. Arbuthnots, yes. Um, the, is so that a real that name? name.
1: It yeah, is, I was going to say you did name. not make
0: that name up because it's, it's a handful. Like, it's, it's a handful. It's too good. It's too good to make up is what it is. It's so British. It's like, <laughs> it is. It sounds like somebody who would be working it down happy. <laughs> working it down? No, it sounds like somebody or who might own... Downtown yeah. Abbey. Yeah, it's a really it's a pretty fancy name. Um, it is also a name that the man chose for himself. That is not his real name. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even a little surprised about that because nope. Well, I mean, that, those are some of the themes in there because when when I when we when we got Death at Greenway, I had no idea what to expect, and there was definitely a lot of Downton Abbey upstairs downstairs kind of feel to this. So yes, the children are part of it, but it's not like it's focused on the children. So anyone looking at this going, "I'm not sure I want to read a story about a bunch of little kids," don't be yes. don't be turned away. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the the nurses that we're focusing on and the people yeah. who there who are there and the things that happen while these kids are there, and that's what brings them there. But it's yeah. not like oh, this is. None of the kids get, I was joking that Agatha Christie comes back later in the book and stabs all the children. That does not happen. That does it not doesn't happen. happen. Doesn't happen. The children are fine. Because, no exactly spoilers, because the just, children come on. survived this episode, as far as we know. And Doreen, now a friend of mine. So I, Doreen of says fine. I got, I, one of the things I got from Doreen that I really wanted the book to get to was that Doreen, as a evacuee at Greenway, felt very protected and safe and loved and remembers only fondly her time there and I just didn't I didn't want to mess that up but I had to do a crime story because hi that's what <laughs> yeah, I write because that's what you write you write crime <laughs> so you can, and you you don't want to like kill any of these like benevolently beautiful children like don't hurt really. the urchins don't or hurt anyone who I could find who was real so some of yeah, the house know. staff I I had like a last name and was able to like I found the real Arbuthnots. I confirmed the real Arbuthnot. All I had was Arbuthnot when I started, um, because that's what Agatha called them. But uh, I was able to find like documentation that actually confirmed it was them, because Mrs. Arbuthnot wrote her will on uh, Greenway had uh, her of course hand. she did of course she did and, it, oh, and, my dear and that one act is her character yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, like, and and not then, shocked at all <laughs> not shocked and then the scaldwells are the couple who uh lived at the house and yeah. worked there for like, agatha do like the I mean, caretakers kind of caretakers exactly caretakers and the estate of agatha christie gave me the name scaldwell saying this might be them, but we don't really know. We don't really have any information. They had one detail that Mr. Scaldwell's nephew was killed in the war uh, very early on. And he was 20 years old. He was in the uh, Royal Air Force. So that was enough to triangulate and find that detail. It's actually Mrs. Scaldwell's nephew found them, confirmed these are the people. And also, I mean, hats hats off to Ancestry.com. I spent, I lived there for six weeks. Just live there. Send my mail. Uh one of the things you can get there is like the uh you know the documents, the um the uh, like the census the census, census. Yeah. The census yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's called a register it the register. Yeah. Yeah, Agatha Christie's in there, you know, on the day they took the, the register census at Greenway. So and she and her husband were also there the day war was announced, which I know from reading both of their autobiographies. So Agatha's in the book, not a lot because it's about the house. And she did leave the house and go to London to sort of famously work as a pharmacist uh, assistant during the war. So she was there, but I, you know, she came in, came and went. When I learned that she tried to sell Greenway during the war, I'm like, oh, you're like, oh, she's got got to come back now. (laughs) She got to come back. Well, then there's (laughs) there's that whole plot then of well, what's going to happen and who should be here? Children or should there be people stationed here and. There are cannons on that hill. Is that really a good place for the kids to be playing? <laughs> yeah, well cannons. they're old cannon. They're not functional things, they're just <laughs> just they really cannons. They were still like riding them like a horse. <laughs> <I have to laughs> these kids And I'm just picturing my youngest who's the boy be like, I'm riding on a cannon. I'm like no. Oh, they had to. There's no way they didn't ride those things like ponies. <laughs> but works. they did. And I mean they're still there to this day. They're from like this you know, fighting off the Spanish Armada. Mm. So it's uh this place has for war like, for generations. <laughs> Um, it was, and that was one of the things that I did not expect. I didn't set out to write a, a war book exactly, and I, de- I definitely didn't want to go into the trenches. I think those stories are great. I, there are many of them that I really like, but um, I'm that's not the kind of story I, I write. But as I researched the house, more and more, um, some of these themes started sneaking in in places that I did not <laughs> intend. And, and one of the things I knew was that the house was requisitioned by the Admiralty. So it kicked the group of children out. They had to move on. So they, they stayed in two different other places, uh, before the war finished and they went back to their parents. These are, of course, children who had parents. Um, I don't know if they all survived, but they were not orphans. Um, some of the stories about evacuees it seems like they're orphans, uh, in the same way that, you know, all children's book protagonists are orphans because yeah. it's easier to have oh yeah her. you've got to get rid of the parents first <laughs> kill the parents almost. right okay. that's back to ya first rule of ya is kill all your parents yeah <laughs> like there can't be parents around like mm-hmm. that's, nope. no it's boring it's you know there, there are rules when there are parents right but these children actually had parents and would have seen their parents they would have gotten visits from them um you know over over the entire world but they were gone for six years almost like four four and a half to six years depending on you know how Incredible. soon they went and I, um, I can't even imagine that like there's a later part and it's, it's not really a spoiler cause it's not central to the plot. But when these, when these children are being reunited with parents that they don't even really know that just, it just broke me because the idea of a little one, like, Hey, this one's a baby because Mrs. Arbuthnot's mm-hmm. running around the babies and well, yeah, you want to keep the baby safe, but where's baby's mom that whole time? I mean, the baby's mom is maybe working in a factory yeah. or yeah. yeah. And, and then when baby goes back, time. that's, sure that's mom I don't know who you are I mean they would have they would have spent a little time over you know like visits weekend visits and stuff like that but yeah there's no there's there's no really like emotional connection a lot of children had bad evacuees you know in addition to being gone from their parents uh there are a lot of stories of abuse of being used as like you know workers in the house of being treated like downstairs um you know even in normal homes not you know. Uh, Downton abbey type homes but um, well, and some of them go through wardrobes and end up in narnia so you never well, know what's gonna i mean i kept waiting for that to happen but you know it did not <laughs> that that cabinet with the names but there was yeah. a, there was a back. No, i know when you started a- with that story and you're like and then we opened the cabinet i was like <laughs> and there was another world i'm like nope that's narnia and then they got on the bed, and then the bed flies, and then it goes under the sea. That's for bed, not some broomsticks, if anybody's listening, going, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, what's happening? And when you said that some of these kids weren't treated so well, some of them had to live under the stairs, and they couldn't leave until Hogwarts called for them. So it was <laughs> I meaning really very sad. I had to be 11 before you know. Know, the owl comes, you know. Um, yeah, so your point about it not being a, a story about the children is really key. Because I I didn't want to mess with that. I didn't want to mess with Doreen's memories. I didn't didn't want to mess with history. I researched and researched and researched, trying to find as much as I could. And it hadn't been researched before, really. So there was a lot to find. Um, But it kept kind of narrowing the alleyways by which I could write fiction. I really Mm -hmm. got desperate at one point to be like, I just (laughs) want to write a story. I don't know where this story is going to (laughs) happen. The nurses, of course, having like you know no names, no nothing. All I Freedom. know is hospi- I mean, yes. I when I was writing about them, like oh my god, uh, <laughs> they could the be story. anything. I'm just going to give them both the same name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I names. did that originally. It was just a little whim, and then of course mm-hmm. it paid off. There were there was lots of stuff that I think that was useful for names and identity became part of the story in a way that I did yeah. not plan. Well, and didn't war, at one point one of them yeah. say her name was Fiona? Well, they yeah they lie. Uh, they go well, into my eldest house. is Fiona, so I laughed at that. I'm like ah, <laughs> Fiona. <laughs> it's a very it's a very common name in England, and I I love it. I love Fee Fee mm-hmm.
1: as a name. She's my fee.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the you know the war sneaked in because the more I researched, the house played this pivotal uh, role in the war. I mean, even uh, some might say it helped win it because it was requisitioned and then taken over by the out changed. They added fourteen latrines uh to the larder um where they would normally <laughs> store food. There were lots of toilets and I assume no privacy. That's um, where I want to store my food. I yeah. mean they stored the food somewhere else I think. But uh I <laughs> mean that's where that jam ended up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Actually the jam went missing. So the other thing um <laughs> it's very obvious if you go to Greenway, there's a, a freeze painted on above uh the library on the at the you know, like the top of the Walls all the way around by one of the sailors, one of the U.S. Coast Guard uh, officers who was stationed there in blues and grays military paint. Uh, he painted this beautiful frieze, and that's the one thing that when they got the house back, um, Agatha said, "No, I don't want to paint that over. Leave that." I so that it. is one of I the features it. of Greenway today. So I knew there was a lot more information about uh, that that part of the war when it was used for the the sailors. And then, I mean, that area, it, the, so the house is up on a Hill above the river dart, uh, near Dartmouth. It's about a couple of miles in from Dartmouth, you know, upstream basically. And, um, but Dartmouth, that area would have been one of the places was one of the places that the military really built up so that when D-Day launched, all these ships would have come out streaming there were several, um, you know, uh, creeks, basically, river um, estuaries that were used in this way, five or six for D-Day. We always think about D-Day as like, oh, right. And they were landing and it was horrible. Yeah. Yes, but the preparation for it, being to done get in secret. <laughs> to get there, yeah. And being like, hey, Nazis, not here. Um, it was, this was one of the places. So uh, underneath Agatha Christie's house on the River Dart, that was one of the places that they were stacking up thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, sailors and, and soldiers and landing craft and ships getting ready for a d-day. And so that had to become part of the story. Does the bathtub still have a shelf for apples? <laughs> you know what? I don't think I got to see the actual bathtub. No! <laughs> um, so Greenway is actually you, it's owned by the National Trust now, the, uh, the Christie family gave the house uh to the national trust and then the national trust spent i think five million pounds uh making it sturdy and and making sure it was you know built for the ages and, and and getting it to the place where you could go visit as a tourist right but also they do um this thing there that i love you can rent apartments in all these old houses <gasps> through the national we're going trust. We're oh going. god we're going right let's go we're let's going. go <laughs> Okay. I'm like, oh, she yes. stayed there. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I, I stayed at Greenway. This part of my research program, after I knew what I didn't know, I went back. But this time, as the guest of the National Trust, they let uh, my husband and I stay in this room that Sophie Hannah, a friend of mine who writes for the estate, um, the Poirot novels, uh, said, oh, when she heard my idea, she said, oh, you must talk to Belinda. And I'm like, yeah, talk, put me in yeah, touch with Belinda. And We're Belinda like is one of the the National Trust uh, employees who was like, "Oh yeah, you can stay here three nights, sure." So they let us stay there um, for free. It's this little room that they don't rent out; it's kept for dignitaries. Um, oh, it's really a one oh, like you, Lori. You're a dignitary, well, like yeah. Sophie Hannah, more like. But yeah. <laughs> but but you know, friend of Sophie Hannah. It's really Good a one person kind of writer retreat situation. But uh, my husband, but your husband wasn't so. So we went and we just we just lived there. The people who rented the apartments, the top floor is I think maybe 3 apartments and I think it's sort of like oh a big family could rent the, the whole thing kind of thing. Um they're not there because of Agatha Christie. They're there to, you know, take the ferry to Dartmouth or they're there to take a river cruise or they're I don't I literally don't know what they these people were doing. They would be gone all day and they come stomping home at midnight or so uh by which time we were like we're, we're in bed but uh what we were there like we lived there so the the staff who works there during the day and you know for the visitors they come in around nine thirty, and they at the stroke of five thirty, it is a ghost town they're gone um so, but we stayed on and we, we didn't have anywhere to go. We didn't have access to a car. So if we wanted to go to town, we walked into town. We took the ferry to Dartmouth. We did all the things that I thought the nurses might do this. Nurses do might that. Do this. Yeah. 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 We just lived there like Agatha and Max. We had a little drink on the hill and uh, it was great. It was wonderful, but you can rent those apartments. And I actually would love to go. Um, well, those let's those do riders. do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like let's do that. <laughs> writers retreat at Agatha's house. Writers retreat. Writers retreat. Let's go. Um, and then, of course, like somebody's going to go missing, or there's going to be a crime, oh, and then we'll mean. all have to solve it. <laughs> Somebody was like, "Oh, you could your next book, you could write a contemporary." And I'm like, "I need a little break from. uh yeah, maybe, like, I love know. it, but I need a little hard stop uh, and write something different. But maybe you could write just like um like a fan fiction combo of like Ramona." <laughs> Visits, Greenway, <laughs> Adult the no, 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 she goes. A a- Just, a just mash up up of all the things we've talked about. <laughs> exactly. Um, Lori, I hate to say this, we are out of time. Um, That's too bad because it has been a lot of fun talking to you. Lisa. You have been wonderful. I know for people who are just listening to this, like we're blowing kisses. Kissing like, faces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you Lori for being here thank you to Roman our producer and Pam Stack our executive producer this has been a copywritten podcast by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network stay tuned next week I'm going to massacre this name I think when we have Amanda Jayatisa I think that's right I think that could be right. That Amanda sounds right and she will be here talking about her debut novel My Sweet Girl so until then bye bye